12. We're a little bit uh, late in the hour, and uh, for good reason, and honoring our veterans, and uh, don't apologize for that at all. But uh, Matthew chapter 12, we're going to jump right into it this morning. Matthew chapter number 12. And let's stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter number 12, and we'll begin reading in verse number 14. Matthew chapter 12. And verse 14, the Bible says, Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. Talking about destroying Christ. Verse 15, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. Notice verse 19 through 21. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. Verse 20 is our text. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Verse 21, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. I want you to focus on two things in verse number 20. First of all, he mentions a bruised reed, and then he talks about smoking flax. And the title this morning is simply this, a bruised reed and smoking flax. Let's pray together. Our Father, I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments as we speak of things eternal. Father, will not be lengthy but a very important message that we need to grasp as we approach the Word of God today. I pray that you'd uh, still every heart. I pray that there'd be no distractions in the service. I pray that folks would be still and that there'd be no coming and going, that, there'd be, uh, that folks would just uh, uh, allow themselves to listen and allow others to listen. I pray that, there, that the cell phones would be silenced and that the children would be uh, attentive and that uh, all of us, would uh, ask your spirit to help us be spirit-filled listeners. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. In verses 18 to 21 of our text there in Matthew chapter 12, we find a fulfilled prophecy from the book of Isaiah. In fact, he mentions Isaiah, Jesus does, in, uh, in that passage. You see, 700 years before the birth of Christ, <coughs> Isaiah, <coughs> excuse me, Isaiah described the life of the Savior. And he gives us a great insight into his divine character. And then in Matthew chapter 12, we're reminded of what Isaiah wrote some 700 years before. We're reminded that Jesus did not come the first time as a conquering general or a man of war. Because in verse number 19, the Bible says, He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. You see, the manner of Jesus when he came to this earth 2,000 years ago was not contentious at all. He didn't come to start a fight. Uh, now, he had some disciples who erroneously thought that Jesus was going to set up a physical kingdom 2,000 years ago. And, of course, Israel at that time, as was uh, the case with all of the land of Palestine, they were subservient. They were, uh, they were under the rule of the Roman Empire. 
the greatest force on the, in the earth at that time, and uh, militarily speaking. And so the disciples and those who followed Christ and recognized him as the Messiah, they thought he was going to set up a literal kingdom right then and there during his earthly ministry. They didn't understand the timing, uh, that their timing was not God's timing. Now one day Jesus will set up a literal kingdom. One day he will rule and reign from the throne of David there in Jerusalem. That's going to happen. It's called the millennial reign of Christ. And, and uh, what a day that's going to be when, uh, when uh, all the politicians of the world bow the knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's going to be some kind of day right there. <clears throat> but, uh, but they thought he was going to do that at that time. And, and, of course, we know that wasn't the case. There was no herald to announce his arrival 2,000 years ago. He did not force his way onto the world scene with a great deal of loud and obnoxious speeches. And if you read the Gospels carefully, you'll find that our Lord did not force his leadership or his way on anybody. He didn't force himself on anybody. He described himself in Matthew chapter 11 as, quote, meek and lowly in heart. And in the verses that we read a while ago, we're reminded that he worked here on earth in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And though he did many wonderful works and mighty miracles that proved his deity, his manner was quiet and his disposition was meek. Oh, he did some pretty amazing things. He touched blind eyes and made them see and touched deaf ears and make them, them hear again. And he, he, and he healed uh, 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 Bartimaeus there, by the way. And, and he healed the ten lepers and caused them to be clean again. And he caused uh, the, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda to take up his bed and walk. And miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle was done in the power and the might of God's Spirit. But Jesus never forced himself on anybody. He never did. This morning, I want to focus our attention on verse number 20. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 20. The Bible says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Those two things are kind of strange to us. A bruised reed shall he not break. Now, a reed in the Bible was much like this stick, if you will. And reeds in the Bible, if you do some research, you'll find that they varied in shapes and sizes and, and they were used for different things. Now, this is just a stick that I took off of a tree before the service started today. And uh, it, is, it, well, it would be what the Bible would describe as a bruised reed. It's not broken, but it is bruised. It's, it's not as strong as it used to be. It's bent, and there's, a, uh, there's some damage done to that stick, if you will. And in, a, in, uh, in the Bible, a reed was used for several things, but there was not much use for a bruised reed. There wasn't much use for a broken reed. A bruised reed, you couldn't put any weight on it. You couldn't use it for a walking stick because it wouldn't support your weight. And uh, there was not much at all that a bruised reed was good for, and most people would just trample it, throw it aside, use it for, for uh, fire kindling, if you will. And Jesus here makes an interesting statement. He said, a, or the, the prophet Isaiah says about Christ and his earthly ministry, he said, a bruised reed shall he not break. That's interesting. And then he goes on to say, and smoking flax shall he not quench. 
Now, what exactly is smoking flax? Well, smoking flax, on the other hand, uh, is meant flax that was used as a wick in an old-fashioned oil lamp, and it is partially lit. In the one process, it, uh, it, it has been, it's gone through some burning, and it's just about to burn out. It's just about to the point where all you're getting out of that flax, there's no, there's no flame, there's no light, there's no heat so, uh, per se, it's just smoke. It's just about done. And the Bible says of our Savior here, in His earthly ministry, whenever He came across someone who was bruised, He didn't break them. He didn't break them. Were they damaged? Oh yeah, they were damaged. And by worldly standards, they were not much good for anything anymore. But he said, a bruised reed, I'll not break it. And he said, smoking flax. What is smoking flax? Smoking flax would be maybe folks who at one time burned brightly for the Lord. Maybe folks who at one time, <clears throat> their candle shone brightly and they were very effective in helping others light their way. But now that that flame is no longer flickering anymore. There's not that bright fire anymore. It's just smoking flax. There's no light. There's no heat. Oh, there's just a little bit of a glimmer, just a little bit of a glow there. But that, that glow is just about ready to, to go out altogether. And the Bible says of our Lord in his ministry that he would not come across a, a bruised reed and break it, and neither would he put out entirely the light of smoking flax. This morning, I want to speak on that subject, if you'll allow me to, for just a few moments. The bruised reed and the smoking flax are represented by folks in this room. The bruised reed are those who are damaged, wounded in some way, sometimes self-inflicted wounds. Maybe there was a bad choice, a bad decision, or a series of bad choices. The Bible tells us that sin does one thing, and it does it very well. Sin destroys Sin destroys. There's no other way around it. <laughs> you look at all the ills of our society, you look at all the sickness, you look at the death, you look at the destruction, you look at the calamities, <clears throat> everything in our society, in our world, that is a negative, you can trace it back to some bad choices that man has made. Sin does that. Sin destroys, sin cripples, sin harms us and those that we love. In the Old Testament, God gave the Ten Commandments, and those laws and rules were given because He loved His people. God gives us boundaries and rules to protect us, and sin is when we miss the mark or cross the lines that God has given in an effort to help us and because He loves us. And one of the greatest friends you'll ever have is the one who warned you and I about sin and its detrimental effects. One of the greatest things you'll do is embrace those who are willing to tell you what you might not want to hear. One of the greatest things you'll do is to be attentive to preaching who tells it, who, who, uh, uh, that, that gives it to you straight and says, you know what, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It's a Bible principle that you can't escape. Now, sometimes we're tempted to turn a deaf ear to the truth of the Word of God because it's not palatable. It's not what we want to hear. It's not, to, you know, we want somebody to sugarcoat our sin or to whitewash our sin or to tell us it's okay so that we can continue on in it and feel pretty good about ourselves. But friend, let me tell you something. Those who would do that are not helping you. They're not helping you. And Jesus came, and uh, he uh, was known as the God-man. He was God in the flesh. And there were two things I want you to understand about Jesus. Number one is, he loved the sinner. 
He loved the sinner. But the second thing, make no mistake about it, he hated the sin. He hated the sin. You know why God hates sin? Because God loves sinners. God loves people. And God knows what sin does to people. God knows that the soul that sinneth it shall surely die. God knows that sin will destroy and disrupt and decay. God knows of that. And so sin is hurting the, the, those that, God, uh, that, that were made in, in God's very image. And so, of course, God hates the sin. And he sees people who are, who are damaged by it. He says, I love those people. You know, it's hard to love, uh, it's hard to love flowers if you don't hate weeds. It's hard to love flowers and not hate weeds at the same time. Uh, <clears throat> every now and then during the spring and summer, I'll, I'll go home and, and uh, my wife will be in the, in the plant bed in front of the house and she'll be, <clears throat> she'll be trying to get those weeds up by the roots. You know why? She loves flowers. She loves flowers. And God loves us, but he hates that which will destroy us. And, and, and uh, yes, he loves sinners, but God hates sin. One of the greatest friends you'll ever have is one who warns you about the detriments of sin. Nathan the prophet confronted King David. Elijah confronted King Ahab. Samuel confronted Saul. And the worst thing that we can do when confronted about our wayward direction is to get mad at the messenger. Hey, I'm simply saying, <clears throat> why don't we understand that we love the bruised reed, but we hate that which causes it? Let me help you this morning. Two groups of people to address. First of all, the bruised reed. You might be damaged this morning. Damaged by sin. Damaged by bitterness. Damaged by discouragement. Damaged by, by, by betrayal. Damaged by a hurt caused uh, by, by maybe something that you didn't even choose. But your hurt may not... Look, it may not be physical. Your hurt might be spiritual. Your hurt might be emotional. Your hurt might be based on circumstances. And then the other group to address this morning is this, the smoking flax. That flax reference here was used in ancient times as a wick that burned in a lamp. And the implication here can be twofold. At one time it burned brightly and now it has been almost extinguished. Or maybe it has yet to burn brightly, but the potential for burning is there. It's just smoldering. It's just, uh, it's not burning brightly, <clears throat> at least not yet. <clears throat> but listen to me, the potential is there. You understand something? We serve a God who not only sees what we were and what we are, but he also sees us for what we could be. I'm glad, aren't you? I'm glad that I serve a God who doesn't just see what I used to be. Now, if we were to go around the room this morning, we could have folk uh, give testimonies about a life of sin before they got saved. We could also have testimonies from people uh, who grew up in church. Brother Dave, you grew up in church, didn't you? And uh, <clears throat> church is all he's ever known. Church is all I've ever known. But you understand something? It took every bit as much of the grace of God to save me and Brother Dave and those who have a testimony similar to ours as it did to save the worst of what anybody did before they got saved. It took every bit as much of God's grace. You know why? Because we're all sinners. Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. I'm simply saying, to, to some extent, all of us are like that bruised reed this morning. To some extent. You understand? <clears throat> God sees our potential. You may have at one time burned brightly for the cause of Christ. 
You may have at one, at one time been a bold witness for Christ. You may have at one time uh, uh, been a Sunday school teacher, or maybe at one time you, you served in some capacity. Maybe at one time you were a faithful soul winner. Maybe at one time you did whatever. <clears throat> but I, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning, maybe that's smoking flax now. Maybe you're not burning so brightly now. Maybe it's because of anger at the Lord. Maybe it's because of bitterness toward God. Maybe something happened that tripped you up, so to speak, and, and, uh, and, and you're not what you used to be. Hey, let me tell you something this morning. I got good news for you. The Bible, Jesus said, and the Bible says of Christ, he came, and he didn't come to break that. He came to heal it. He came to see some usefulness from it. And the smoking flax that once burned brightly, but now doesn't burn at all, and it's just smoking flax. Hey, you know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to reignite that fire. One of my favorite things to do with our, <clears throat> with our uh, boys uh, as they were growing up was to take care of the Christmas tree after Christmas is over. Boy, those things go up pretty fast, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of fun. <laughs> You know, that Christmas tree's been sitting in the living room for, you know, several weeks, and it's dried out pretty good, and you take it out in the backyard, <clears throat> and don't do this if there's a burning ban on, okay? I'm, I'm not advocating that. But uh, <clears throat> you take it out in the backyard and make sure the wind's not blowing, <laughs> because I found that out the hard way <laughs> one year. But uh, uh, <clears throat> take it out there, and you get that thing burning. It, it doesn't take long at all for it to go up in smoke, and it's bright, and it's hot, and it's, it's, it's gone in just a matter of a few moments. You know what? Jesus wants to kindle something in your soul like that again if you're smoking flax. He said, oh, preacher, I don't, know, I don't know that Jesus could ever use me again. Oh, I think he could. He specializes in healing broken reeds and setting on fire once again smoking flax. Let me share with you just a couple things. Number one, Jesus loves the damaged and Jesus loves the dim. Now, the world's not interested the world's not uh, uh, so-called friends will use you till there's nothing left for them to gain from you. You see that in the prodigal son. The Bible says that he went to a far country and when he had spent all, no man gave unto him. Oh, I'm sure as long as he had money and he had some possessions and he could give everybody a good time, he had all the friends that you could possibly want. But uh, hey, if you're 8 or 18 or 108, you hear what I'm saying, when the world is done with you, they're going to throw you away. Sin when it's finished, bring it forth death, the Bible says. And here this prodigal son in, in uh, Luke chapter 15, he found out firsthand that those were, uh, that, uh, uh, that were using him for what he had, they were only interested in that for as long as he had it, and then they pushed him to the side, and that's what the world does. That's what the world does. The wrong crowd is not interested in the bruised reed, but Jesus is. You may see yourself as damaged goods or someone who used to burn brightly for God and your flax is now just a smoldering and smoking memory of how things used to be. But I've got good news for you this morning. Jesus loves the damaged and Jesus loves the dim. Number two, Jesus wants the damaged and Jesus wants the dim. He doesn't throw anybody away. Do you hear what I said? He doesn't throw anybody away. We may bail out on him, but he never bails out on us. And one of the greatest attributes of God is his faithfulness. I take you to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 13. You need not turn to it for the sake of time, but the Bible says this. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. 
As you look through the scriptures, you'll find a lot of bruised reeds being used by our Lord. Hey, who is that preaching on the day of Pentecost? I'll tell you who it is. It's a bruised reed. A bruised reed. You say, wait a minute, preacher. We're talking about Peter, right? We're talking about the same day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Who was preaching on the day of Pentecost? It was Peter. It was Peter. The same Peter who a few days before was cursing and swearing and denying that he ever knew the Lord Jesus Christ. That Peter? Yep, that same Peter. Same Peter. Hey, who is that writing many of the Psalms? Isn't that David? Isn't that King David? Oh, yes, that's King David, the same one who has done the unthinkable and, 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 and really messed up his life. Yep, same King, King David. What's the difference? He's a bruised reed that was used again. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet with a broken heart. A broken heart. But yet, he's still preaching. I think about Moses, the 80-year-old failure. <laughs> Moses, the 80-year-old failure. But what happens? Moses spent the first 40 years of his life finding out that he was somebody being raised in Pharaoh's palace. The next 40 years of his life, from 40 to 80, he found out that he was a nobody. All he did was keep the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro on the backside of the desert after he had murdered an Egyptian. That's right, you heard it right. He murdered an Egyptian. And at the age of 80 years old, he comes to the burning bush, and God says, Moses, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. And Moses, I got something for you to do, Moses. Now, wait a minute. I submit to you this morning, Moses was a bruised reed. But God used him again. God used him again. I think about Jonah, the backslidden preacher. Jonah, who ran from God. Jonah, who said, I don't care if everybody in Nineveh dies and burns. He said, it doesn't matter to me. They can, they can have the judgment of God on them, and I'm fine with that. And he runs away from God, and it took a whale. It took a storm. It took for God to get Jonah in the belly of a whale. And in Jonah chapter 3, you find, or Jonah chapter 2, rather, you find where Jonah cried out to God from the belly of the whale. That's what it took. God did get his attention, but he used him again. He used him again. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh and cry against it. I'm simply saying, Jesus wants the bruised, and Jesus wants the smoldering flax. Those of you who say, Well, Pastor, my best days are behind me because I used to do such and such, and I used to, I used to be an active servant of the Lord. Hey, let me tell you something. It's not over yet. God has a, God has a use for your life. God has a purpose for you. And, and anyone who tell you otherwise isn't being honest with you according to the Scriptures. Number three, last thing this morning, we're done. Jesus offers healing to the bruised and fuel to the dim. Jesus offers healing to the bruised and fuel to the dim. This world is filled with damaged people. The world is filled with people who used to burn brightly for God and now they're smoking flax. And Jesus comes to you this morning and he offers a, an opportunity for a fresh start. That's what he wants. That's what he wants to offer you this morning, a fresh start. He comes to you this morning who are bound for hell and he says, come to me, come to Christ. You say, preacher, I'm so filthy, Jesus would never take me. Hey, you got it all backwards. You don't clean up to get saved. You come to Christ as a filthy sinner and let him save your soul, and he'll clean up the mess of your life, and you can live for him that, hey, I'm simply saying, come to Christ. Come to Christ. If you're a Christian and you've wandered far away from God, I've got good news for you. He's still right where he was when you walked away. He's still right where he was when you 
By the way, he didn't leave you. You left him. And before, hey, look, listen very carefully. Here's an important point to make. Before that can be useful again, and before that fire can burn brightly again, there's got to be a little bit of a reckoning. Hey, before Jonah could be used again, he had to look up to God and say, God, I made a mess of things. And from the belly of that whale, God heard the voice of Jonah. Moses had to have that burning bush experience before God could use him. Oh, yeah, he was that 80-year-old failure. But there had to be that, that day of reckoning at that burning bush where Moses, Moses came clean with God and God called him and God used him again. There had to be that Psalm 51 experience for King David where he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. There had to be an acknowledgement of our sin. There has to be an acknowledgement of our futility. There has to be an acknowledgement of our inadequacy before God can come down and say, Okay, okay, you're tired of trying to do it by yourself. Let me help you. The bruised reed can't fix itself. Are you with me? The bruised reed can't heal itself. By itself, that's useless. But in the hand of the Savior, it's worth something. The smoking flax, by itself, it, hey, the, the, the smoking flax can't relight its own fire, so to speak. There has to be some fuel for that fire. God can provide that, but you've got to come clean with Him. Hey, you've got to stand before Almighty God and say, Oh, God, nothing in my hands I bring. God, I've got to have you. If we confess our sins, He's faithful. And just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In that same passage we read these words, If we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. Hey, I offer hope today for a bruised reed. There's hope today for smoking flax. It's not anything that you do for yourself. It's in what he can do for you. Jesus loves the broken he loves the bruised and he loves the dim those who used to be on fire those who used to burn brightly and passionately and hot for God it can be that way again it can be that way again those of you that <clears throat> once felt like that you were so in tune with the Lord hey that fellowship can be restored once again let Jesus have your bruised reed see it for what it is and then let him have it Give Jesus that smoking flax that's just about extinguished and he can, he can make it burn brightly again. Isaiah said it 700 years before Jesus ever stepped foot on this earth, a bruised reed shall he not break and smoking flax shall he not quench. Now wait a minute. One day that same Jesus who came as he who was meek and lowly in heart, one day he is coming back in judgment. One day he is coming back to set up his political kingdom on this earth. One day he will uh, uh, rule with, uh, with that rod of iron in Jerusalem. And one day it will be judgment. But hey, let me tell you something. While it is called today, the Bible says, why don't we as his people who say, you know, Jesus, I'm not much. But I give myself to you. If you think about it, all of us are bruised reeds. John R. Wright said it many years ago. He said, I feel sorry for God. I just feel sorry for him because all he has to work with are sinners. That's all any of us are. 
And the fact that God would reach down and grab a little bruised reed like Kevin Dale and say, hey, I want to do something with your life. I don't know what God can do with me, but he can have me. And if you'll just come to God and say, God, I don't know what you can do with me, but you can have me. Hey, God says, you're not much to work with, but I'm a big God. God doesn't need much to work with. Have you noticed that? God created everything that you see from nothing. Just think of what he could do with a bruised reed. God made everything that we see in six 24-hour periods, the, the, the vastness of the universe with all of its splendor and all the beauty of the earth that God made, and we, we come to him complaining about smoking flax that's no longer burning. Hey, God can do a lot with not much at all. But we got to come clean with him. And we got to give ourselves to him and say, God, here I am. Here I am you're not saved this morning why don't you come to christ why don't you come to christ he'll save you from the guttermost to the uttermost he'll take you and make something out of you if any man be in christ he's a new creature the bible says old things are passed away behold all things are become new jesus can do that and for those of you who at one time burned brightly for the cause of christ and maybe by whatever set of circumstances you say, preacher, I'm pretty dim right now. I'm not burning brightly like I used to be. I'm just smoking flax. Why don't you give it to Jesus? Why don't you get right with them this morning? Whatever it is that stands between you and fellowship with the Father, why don't you get it straight today? Let him clean you up. Let him clean you up. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. A bruised reed and a smoking flax. Jesus wants them. He wants them. I wondered this morning who would say, Preacher, <clears throat> I may not be everything that I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. I know that, oh, I'm still a sinner, but I'm a sinner who's been saved by the grace of God. I know I'm saved, Preacher. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I'm going to heaven when I die. And Preacher, I'll raise my hand as a testimony to that. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. What a wonderful, wonderful sight. God bless you. You can put your hand down. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning who'd say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand. I don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved. If I were to die today, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd go to hell. I, just, I don't know what would happen to me. I'm, just, I'm a little confused, to be honest with you. I'm a little bit uh, insecure about my eternal destiny. Preacher, would you pray with me about that? Would you raise your hand? I'd love the honor to pray, to pray for you and pray with you. Is there anyone like that at all? Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die but I'd like to know. I'd like to know. Is there anyone like that at all? Is there anyone like that at all? All right. How many here this evening, or this morning rather, would say, Pastor, I know I'm saved all right, <clears throat> but somewhere along the line, the Holy Spirit applied that message to me specifically. I mentioned in Sunday school, you know, the Bible is of no private interpretation, but sometimes the Holy Spirit does take the same message and apply it to different people in different ways based on what's going on in your life right now i'll not ask a lot of questions about this but how many would say by an uplifted hand pastor god spoke to my heart this morning through the message god spoke to my heart there's something there's business that i need to transact with god based on what i heard this morning would you raise your hand many hands god bless you father i pray that you'd help us thank you that jesus as the meek and lowly son of god came to this earth had every right to come with bells sounding and parades and pomp and circumstance. But Father, he came 
he came seeking the bruised reed and the smoking flax. I pray you'd help us this morning by your spirit. Apply the truth to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Heads are about eyes are closed. I'd ask you to stand while the instruments play. If God spoke to your heart, don't hesitate. If, if you need to do business with the Lord, if 